Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, May 30th by Pastor Rod Heppel. Today's message is the fifth sermon in our series entitled, Growing Up in Christ Together. Check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. I remember being about 16 years old, coming home from an inter-church youth event, and my youth leader asked me how I liked the evening. Boring, I replied. The games were silly and the leaders were strict and the girls were mean. Someone had an attitude problem. My leader, recognizing that I had a taker mentality and not a giver mentality, mentality, challenged me to consider serving. He pointed out that I was bored because I was focusing on me and I was trying to get something out of youth group that was no longer of interest to me. My focus needed to switch. It had to go from focusing on taking and and turn it towards giving. He asked me if I was willing to begin serving at youth group to now look at the kids who were coming that need to be encouraged in Jesus rather than just being there to be entertained. And I was ready for this change. And things did change pretty quickly for me. Through this lens of serving, I could now begin to see kids in the group who were hurting and needed to be encouraged. And I actually cared. I began to see the one in the group who was maybe straddling the fence in their walk with God and they needed to be drawn into the group to to help them make good decisions. I could see ones that were coming out that didn't know Jesus. They weren't Christians and and I had an opportunity to help them meet Jesus as I had met Jesus. And pretty soon youth group became interesting again because it had new meaning and that came about through this lens of serving. Now this was a turning point for me. Because I had tasted the joy of serving others and I I found that greater reward in that. It was sobering to think that God wanted to use me for his purposes. That I had certain gifts and abilities that played a part on a larger team of servant-hearted people who were there just to try to be the hands and feet of Jesus to others. As I look back now, I see how selfish my answer was to the youth leader that night. Here he had come out as a volunteer, had given up his entire Friday night for me. Me, who sat there like an immature, spoiled brat, a bump on a log, complaining about the lack of entertainment value that I had received that night. Wow. I am thankful to God for his grace, and I am thankful to God for his gracious people. Our sermon series is called Growing Up, Maturing in Christ Together. And my youth leader helped me that night to take a step towards maturity in Christ when he challenged me to serve. And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at growing up in Christ together through serving one another. So much about the Christian faith is really outward focused. Uh, Maybe you've noticed the titles of our sermons in this series that they have been about loving one another or forgiving one another or carrying each other's burdens. And then last week we were looking at being the right kind of soil that produces a crop 30, 60, or 100 fold, which is, which is about outwardness, others. And that's why I've emphasized this togetherness part of this sermon series because we mature in community, in our families and in our church family. Being a Christian is more than just what happens in my relationship with God. That's a part of it. But it's worked out in my relationship with all of you, the body of Christ. Now, I know that I have often said that I enjoy or really like Paul's analogy of the human body to help us understand how the body of Christ or the family of God operates. 
It's one of my favorites because it just makes sense to me. So Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, He says there are different gifts or different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. And the spirit is the one who distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And then Paul goes on in his analogy to to explain how it works with the human body. So he says it like this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And he carries on. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So Paul goes on to make uh, the point that, you know, no one is better than anyone else in the body, uh, that all the parts are needed in order for the body to be the body, in order for the body to work. Paul says, if we all were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if we were all an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If we all had the same part, if we all were the same part or had the same gifts, then there would be no body. Like there's, there's no hole, right? There's just one big nose or ear. Or... And if there's no body, then we can't function. We can't carry out what the head wants to do. And of course, Jesus is the head. So this is the analogy. This is the picture that, that Paul paints. And then he concludes by saying this. Now, you are the body of Christ. And each of you is a part of it. You know, built into this equation is the fact that we each have a part to play, and in using our gifts, we're actually serving one another. That's how the serving part comes into understanding how the body works. Now, notice two things about this analogy. One, we don't all have the same gift. And two, no one person has all of the gifts. Now, I think this is obviously very intentional by God about the way in which he's arranged his church family, the the way in which we need each other. The fact that we don't have all the gifts keeps things straight. No, Jesus is the head. He's our boss and we're the body and we each humbly serve with the gifts that he has given us. That's the way in which the body functions. Now, a mature person in Christ isn't someone who just knows, well, I have a lot of gifts. No, it's a person who knows which gifts they do have and they use them, humbly serving others. And at the same time, recognizing that in the gifts they lack, they receive from others. So serving one another is a natural function of being a part of the body of Christ. To do this, to serve one another, we need to know the gifts that we have and then use them. When you serve God using the gifts that he's given you, you actually bring glory to him. You glorify God by using your gifts and then others are built up. That's how serving works. From time to time here at Sardis Fellowship, we teach a course called Network. And the purpose of the course is to help uh, people understand what their gifts are that God has given them, along with their interests and experiences and skills, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then ultimately to help them find a place of serving that really fits their gifting and passion well. So you may be a person who's gifted in teaching, and you may have a passion for kids. And so you teach in Sardis Kids. Or you could be gifted with hospitality, 
and you love people and you love serving and so you want to be on a kitchen team or uh, work at the welcome desk or be a greeter or an usher. Now, that's the ideal situation when you know the gift that God has given you or gifts that God has given you and you know your passion area, what your interests are and you kind of find the, the sweet spot where those two intersect in how you serve. But you know, there's lots of times in life when we just need to display a servant's heart and help out. It's not that specific gifting and passion is needed as much as just a willingness to serve. So someone is moving and they need help moving. Uh, There's flower beds that need to be weeded. There's encouragement cards that need to be sent out. A person might need a visit. Food needs to be served and dishes need to be washed and chairs need to be cleaned and cars need to be parked and health checks need to be done. These are the kinds of things um, that at times we just simply need to step up and help out. I don't need to wait for my specific sweet spot. I just need to help. Now you might think, well, I don't want to get locked into something that I do forever, especially if I'm really not passionate about it. But you don't have to. You may do this for a time, but not forever. You know, someone has cared for your kids in the nursery when you needed it. And now your life has advanced and you have some freedom where you could now serve someone else by doing the same thing. Or someone helped in Sardis Kids so that you could be in the main worship service. But now you could do that for someone else for a time. You don't have to do this forever, but you take a turn. Or someone has put on a bridal shower or a baby shower for you when you got engaged or you had a baby. And now you could attend and support someone else or or even help to put one of these on. So there's lots of ways in which we can do something for a time. There are times when we just simply need to take a turn without thinking, well, you know, I'm just not gifted in that area or it's not my passion. Maybe it's in those moments when we do serve in those ways that we're actually closest to the servant heart of Christ. Years ago, I remember working with Rick and Diane Dark. They facilitated the running of the marriage course in the life of our church, and they were doing this for quite some time. And after a number of years, they were trying to discern who might be the next couple to take over. And Diane Dark said to me one day, we don't want to be long in the tooth. She has an English accent. It's very cute. And I'm sitting there looking at her, and it was the first time I'd heard the expression, we don't want to be long in the tooth. And after looking at her teeth for a bit, I decided I should ask her, what does that mean? And she said, it's, it's an expression meaning you're getting rather old and you really shouldn't be doing this anymore. Like it's, it's time. Uh, they had done this for a time and now the time was to pass it on. And they were absolutely delighted when Clayton and Sunshine Wilms stepped forward, shared that passion for helping marriages grow strong, and they took over leading that ministry. And, you know, I really hope with the uh, lessening of restrictions, we'll soon be running the marriage course again, maybe this fall. The thing that we want to be careful of is to not fall into a mentality that said, well, someone else will do it. No, we all need to step up and take a turn and serve. It's often said that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, I don't know if that's a verifiable statement, but it does seem to make a point that is generally true. It seems that often a smaller group of people are are dedicated to doing the majority of the work while others are are there enjoying that. We too easily take a free ride on someone else who picks up the lion's share of the work. And, And that's just not the way in which the body of Christ is to operate. 
We all have a role to play, and we need to be sure that we are serving. Okay, so now that I've guilt-tripped you into serving, let me speak for a moment about the joy that comes from serving, and let me speak to you as to what is our motivation. Like, why would we want to serve in the first place? Because I think once we know that, then we're ready to find where we can serve. Now, the answer to that is because of Jesus. That's right. We serve others because Jesus served us. It's kind of hard to trump Jesus. I mean, the fact that he is the ultimate example of a servant heart. He came into this world and being God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. You know, Philippians 2. Being in human nature and the likeness of a, of a man, he became a servant and he humbled himself and he became obedient even to death on a cross. So that, that's the picture. There's no higher example of servanthood than Jesus coming into this world and then going to the cross and dying for us. That's why we serve others, because Jesus served us by giving his life as a ransom for sinners, which is me and you. Therefore, we go and serve others likewise. That's the implication. Being a servant, sacrificing, and even suffering, we're pretty much at the heart of who Jesus was and why he came. Now, somehow Israel missed this aspect of who they thought that their Messiah would be. Uh, They saw their Messiah just on that conquering king side of the equation. The picture of the Messiah was this great conqueror, not this suffering servant. And we often see what we want to see, right? And they missed Isaiah's portrayal of Christ, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, who took our pain and bore our suffering, who was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And now by his wounds, we are healed. They missed that picture of the Messiah. It's taken out of Isaiah 53. And the first century Jews completely missed it. And I think that there's a caution here for us as well. 2,000 years later, we can miss it too. Even having the advantage that we have of being on this side of the cross. This is the basis for us serving is because Jesus sacrificed for me. That's what it means to follow Jesus is that I'm willing to serve someone else. It is the true nature of Christian living because Jesus did that for me. So the servant heart of Jesus is captured in his own words when he says things like foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. That's Matthew 8, 20. And then Jesus says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Matthew 20, 28. He also said, the greatest among you will be your servant. Matthew 23, 11 and 12. So Jesus truly is the answer to why we would serve because he is the one who served us and he is our example. But I'd like to look at one more example by Jesus, which includes a command, and it also is the motivation for us. So let's take a look at this well-known story. We refer to it often, but it's for good reason. It's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet found in John 13. Uh, There's just so much packed into this story. That's why it gets used a lot. So the story goes like this. It's the night that Jesus would be betrayed by Judas and then turned over to the authorities. He's eaten this last supper with the disciples and he's packed a lot of teaching into that night. Jesus knows that the hour has come and this act of washing the disciples' feet will set the tone for how they were to serve each other 
after he's gone. So that's kind of the intention of what's going on here. Now, the way it worked out was probably because the meal was eaten in secret. Uh, there were no hosts or servants there to wait on them. So the customary washing of feet hadn't happened when the disciples arrived. Uh, they had just been arguing recently over who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so none of them were going to lower themselves uh, to do such a task, right? They didn't want to dislodge themselves from the running of who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Now, there had been sufficient time for any one of them to step up and be the servant of all, but no one assumed the role. That is, until Jesus. Jesus gets up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet. <laughs> I can just picture it. I'm sure that in that moment, some of those disciples, if not all of them, wished that they had just done it. But it's too late now. And they know better than to argue with their master. That is, except for Peter, who kind of resists Jesus washing his feet. And Jesus then says to Peter, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. You know, that is so true that it took time for the disciples to understand this. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place and he says to them, do you understand what I've done for you? Well, no, they don't. They don't have any kind of a category for this kind of behavior because in their culture, no such person of great esteem would ever humble themselves to take such a degrading role, right? Why would they? They, they don't have a clue what he has done, nor do they know the deeper meaning that it symbolizes about the cross and the washing of their sins, but they will. Later, you will understand, Jesus says. So then he says to those disciples, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Wow. So there's a challenge that Jesus lays down for those first disciples, which is also for us. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on John, says, Jesus emphasized the fact that if he, whom they regarded as their leader, had stooped to serve their needs, they should do the same for one another. The Apostle John calls this an this act of Jesus, an example which implies that the emphasis is on an inner attitude of humble and voluntary service for others. Okay, so the example that we are to follow today is to have an inner attitude of humility about how we choose to serve each other. The example for us to follow is not actually washing each other's feet, literally, uh, because we don't walk you know, the dusty roads of Palestine like they did. Nor is it a custom of ours that, you know, when you come through the door in your home, someone will be there to wash your feet. That's just not what's practiced today. The point is that we are to serve one another in very real and meaningful ways that come from a humble heart. We are to lend a helping hand. We're to share an encouraging word. We're to give a generous gift or do a thoughtful act of kindness or you to give your time to something. These are the ways in which we accomplish that. When we understand what Jesus has done for us, we will then understand how he wants us to wash each other's feet today in very real and meaningful ways in our culture today. 
So in this passage, Jesus both commands us to serve one another and by his example, he is our motivation to do so because he did it in such humility. We grow up in Christ together when we serve one another, just as Jesus served us. And he says, for those willing to serve like this, there would be blessings. You know, it's interesting. There's a built-in irony to serving or paradox. Uh, You give of yourself and there's some kind of a, a return or a blessing that comes your way. Now, I can't put this together in an equation where it's a one-to-one ratio that if you give, you get, you give, you get. And that, that's not the right motive anyways. There's many ways and many times in which you serve and there seems to be no notable blessing that comes back. It's just plain old sacrifice, right? You've given up a lot. But as a way of life, I can say over and over again, there is a blessing that comes through serving. The blessing comes in different ways and you can't often even quantify it at times, right? Um, So here's an example. A couple of years ago on a Thursday night in June, I was sitting on my couch watching Game 7 of a Stanley Cup playoff game when a call came letting me know that Blair Plumridge, a former member of Sardis Fellowship who had MS and passed away recently, about a year ago, he he had come down with uh, pneumonia and landed in the ER. You know, I didn't really feel like getting up off that couch at that moment to go see him. Um, I can be as selfish as the next person in moments like that. But I did. I got up and I went. And what I encountered when I got there was one of the most graphic pictures of suffering I'd ever seen. He was alone in this small room, hooked up to a couple of machines, and he was fighting for his life, gargling when he breathed, barely able to whisper. I was moved to tears. I just stayed with him, quietly waiting. I had no words to speak and just was there in his presence. When I left that night, I was walking to my truck weeping and ironically having the greatest sense of purpose that I could ever have. I mean, that God had chosen me to be there, to be that person for him in a moment of suffering when no one else was with him. God wanted me to play that role. You know, I don't know who won the game that night. Quite frankly, I don't really care. When you serve one another, there is a blessing that God gives Sometimes it's evident, and sometimes it's not. A number of years ago, Vicki Hick uh, heard that there was an announcement for a need for a teacher in the preschool Sunday school, or Sardis Kids program. Um, She didn't say yes to it because she was gifted and passionate about kids. She said yes because there was a need, and so she did it. After doing this for a number of years, she shared with me this surprise, the surprise of incredible joy and love that she got from those kids. She hadn't set out to have that experience. She had set out to fill a need, and God brought this reward that was unexpected. Dave Regeer was the custodian at our church for a number of years, and one day Dave was painting all of the trim and and the, the baseboards and stuff, the door frames in the church. It wasn't his job as a custodian, he was just volunteering his time. You know, my wrist hurt watching him day after day paint all of this trim. Um, As I thanked him for his service, because I noted the fact that this wasn't his job, he told me it was his privilege to serve God in the ways that he could. And then he said, I didn't always feel that way. I had to learn it. Um, Years before, a friend of his was working at the uh, Lions Church Camp in Hope called Camp Kakawa, and he was helping to build the lodge. 
And so he kind of finagled Dave into coming out on a Saturday, on Dave's day off, to help build this lodge. With great bemoaning, Dave volunteered his day off and went to work at the camp, feeling like later his face might be on the front page of the Chilliwack Progress that, you know, he had done this incredible act of service of giving up a day off. And, uh, and he felt very accomplished in, in giving of his time. That, that was what he shared about his sentiment after his day. Well, the next week, Saturday rolled around and his friend said, what time should I pick you up to take you up to camp to keep working on that lodge at Kakawa? And Dave was dumbfounded. He said, I gave a day last week. I've done my bit. But he loaded up his tools and he went with his friend a second Saturday. Dave said, and then it happened. During the course of that day, something in my heart switched. The giving of my time and serving, which seemed like a chore, now became a joy. God gifted me to do something that makes a difference for eternity. Kids would come to this camp. Kids would find Jesus at this camp, and I got to be a part of it. And for Dave, it no longer was a burden to serve God with the gifts that he had, but it was a joy. And he told me from that moment on, I never looked back when it came to serving the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you say yes every time, uh, nor am I saying that you give up every Saturday. I'm saying that Jesus has blessings for those who obey him in the examples, in, in the example that he has left us to follow. So here's another example of the blessing that comes through serving. Last Christmas... Uh, when we were trying to encourage people who were shut in because of COVID lockdown and restrictions, we had these Advent logs and Christmas stockings that we wanted to take out and bless our seniors. Now, some people who said they would take these um, Advent logs and deliver them were families. And so I thanked one of the families for doing this because I'd heard from one of our seniors who had a visit from the family and they were thrilled to see the kids and it was just really wonderful. Without hesitating, this parent said, no, thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve as a family with our kids because we want them to learn how to serve Jesus from a very early age. And I thought, wow, I love that attitude. That is a blessing. I saw this again at one of our recent church work bees back in April when we were cleaning out the flower beds and adding bark mulch and families came out. And it's awesome to serve together as a family. <clears throat> And it's also awesome to serve together as a senior because a number of seniors came out to our day and I was impressed. They brought out their tools for weeding and gardening and they got down on their little mats and they were like weeding. And I want to just say you seniors are amazing who also came out to weed that day. So serving one another isn't restricted to just our church family. It also happens in our homes and it happens in our community. And serving one another isn't restricted by age. It, it happens in all sorts of different ways, whether you're younger or older. And you know, that's why I love our VBS soccer camp, which is coming up in July. It's such a beautiful picture of this church fellowship and how we serve together using the many different gifts and passions to serve God. And because we do, others benefit because of it. As I think about camp, I'm amazed at the energy of the ones who lead the teams and the creativity of those who do the drama and music and the indoor staff. And I'm always amazed at the number of seniors who come out to serve in the ways that they can. And if you want to serve again this year, just go on to our website and you'll go see the soccer camp. And there's a volunteer page there and you can fill it out and you can sign up to help at soccer camp. Or you can talk to Pastor Tim and he'll make sure you find a role. You know, our church family truly has an amazing servant heart. 
during COVID, I've heard of so many init initiatives that this church family has undertaken to help one another. Uh, phone call ministries, delivering daily beds, breads to, <laughs> daily beds, <laughs> delivering daily breads to seniors and shut-ins and women's ministry events and Sardis kids stuff, and it just goes on and on. Two ladies chose to make baskets full of fresh baked goodies and they do about three to five each week and then they call and ask who might need to be encouraged and then they go and they drop off these baskets along with other gifts in there. And you know, they just simply love on people. And I've heard back from those people who've received those gifts and they appreciate it so much. I just wanna say Sardis Fellowship, you do a great job at serving one another. This church family actually exemplifies the example that Christ has left us to wash each other's feet. And let's keep going. Let's keep serving one another and growing up together in Christ through serving. You know, I also want to highlight that many of you serve in our community out there, your, your sports teams, coaches, you're on boards of different things, you work at different mission agencies and youth programming, and you do a lot of different things. Afternoon Adventures is a way in which our church is looking outward into our community, building a bridge with Evans Elementary and, uh, and the staff there, the teachers, the principal, uh, the kids in the program and the families of the kids and pray uh, for Afternoon Adventures as they wrap up in three weeks. We're hoping to have a food truck that can come there, bless the kids, invite the families. We're going to feed them, the teachers, the principal, and we just want to bless them. Plus, we're giving out sponsorships to come to soccer camp. And thank you to the 16 people who have paid for kids to come for free to soccer camp. That really helps. And there are certain families that really could use a financial break. So thank you for your generosity. Lastly, a word about serving in our homes. Okay, we've looked at the church, we look at our community, but what about our homes? The idea of having a servant's heart is not reserved just for church life or the community. It's also, and maybe even foremost, for serving in our own home. We're to love and serve the ones who are closest to us, the ones that we know that we value, and we value them more than anyone else, but often we struggle to show that grace. But God's heart is for the home. In fact, everything about being a disciple of Jesus starts in the home and it works its way out to the church and to the community, to the world around us. So, what does this mean? Well, it means that because of Jesus, I now see my home as a top priority of serving those that God has given me. So husband to wife, wife to husband, parents to kids, and kids to parents. Spouses, parents, and kids all need to have a servant's heart towards each other. It's not just parents who serve their kids, although there's a lot of that. And I would say that it's front-loaded in that while your kids are young, you parents are giving a lot with not much return on that investment. But as time goes on, your kids should learn how to serve you as parents as well. Now, I know that that's starting to sound a little bit far-fetched and some of you can't really imagine that being a reality. But let me say it anyways. There is no reason why any spouse, parent, or child can't learn the spirit of Jesus and how to serve one another in their own home. Okay, so there's a challenge that I've left for you to embrace this week. Kids, I want to speak to you for a moment. Don't listen to the voice that takes you away from the heart of Jesus. Listen to his voice on how you can do your part in positively contributing to your family. I say this because I think that as kids, it's too easy to just let our parents serve us, and we kind of take advantage of them. 
But Jesus has left you an example to follow as well. And you can learn how you can serve your parents and your siblings in your own home. And to those who live with a family member who has a high level of need, you know, God knows that the majority of your serving opportunities are consumed with daily life. I don't want you to hear the wrong message today. You don't have the freedoms to serve outside the home in ways that maybe others do. You may have a child with special level of need or an aging parent where you're taking care of them. Whatever the situation might be, you're living out your servant heart for Jesus every day. Sardis Fellowship, my challenge to us is let's not lose sight of serving Jesus, our passion for others, for caring and for doing it for the right reasons. Let's remember to do it in our homes, in our church family, and in our community. And let's be motivated by Christ himself who gave his life for us. You know, he challenged those first disciples. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let that be our charge, that Jesus too has washed our feet and that he wants us to go and do that for one another. So let us grow up in Christ together as we serve one another. Join me now as we pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus coming into this world. He came as a servant. He gave his life that we might be brought into right relationship with you. Thank you for your love for us. All of that speaks to your love. And may we now, motivated out of the right kind of motivation, because we love Jesus, serve one another. Help us to know our gift, help us to find our area, and help us to serve joyfully. And may we truly find your blessing in it. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to be a part of your church family and to work in the way in which you've designed it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Here are our discussion questions for today. One, have you ever had that experience where you were surprised by how much you enjoyed serving? What was it that you were doing and why do you think that you enjoyed it? Two, conversely, have you ever served where it was really hard to do so? It was a real sacrifice and difficult to see the blessing. What did you learn through that experience? Three, what are some of the ways today that we fulfill the command of Christ, a command of Jesus, to wash each other's feet? Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.